Hello and welcome to Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. Welcome listeners to the District 3 podcast. This is your host, Don Griffith. I'm here with Tudor Melville today. We're going to talk about joining Toastmasters and staying in Toastmasters. Good morning, Tudor. Good morning, Don. You've been a Toastmaster for a little while. Tell us, uh, first of all, how long have you been a Toastmaster and what are your clubs? Well, what's interesting about that, I'm in three clubs right now and I joined Toastmasters officially in 2012. However, in 1995, I actually did join Toastmasters and I joined Dobson Ranch Toastmasters in Mesa, Arizona. 1995, 25 19, years ago. 25 years ago. And Paul Bruno Forte was bugging me to join Toastmasters and he stayed after me and finally I went to one meeting. I said, Paul, I'll go to one meeting, but after that, don't bug me ever again. So I went to the meeting and it turned out that we had a speaker that didn't show up. Paul volunteered me to do an icebreaker on my very first meeting and I did an icebreaker and I was so paranoid and petrified that I actually paid the dues that day. I joined the club just to shut these people up, but I never went back, Don. I, I got home that day and I said, holy mackerel, this Toastmaster stuff is certainly not for me. So you went to your first meeting to, as really just as a favor to just Paul. Just as a favor. You didn't really want to go. You didn't probably know what to expect. You went and you were thrust right into the limelight. I was, and in fact, I didn't find this out until years later that my dad was a Toastmaster of Tempe Toastmasters, and he was the president of the club back in the 1960s, early 70s. I found this out after the fact, but yeah. I did not want to join Toastmasters. I didn't want anything to do with Toastmasters. Time passed. A lot of years went by. What happened to bring you back into Toastmasters again? You know, about 2009, Paul started back at me again and started saying, you need to join Toastmasters, please come back. Well, I didn't take that offer, not until 2012. I decided, let me shut Paul up one more time. And he had become my coach, he had become a mentor to me. As politeness, I said, Paul, I'll go to the meeting one more time, but please, don't bug me ever again. And Don, I showed up that morning at Dobson Ranch, and wouldn't you know it, another speaker did not show up. And Paul looked at me, I'm sitting next to him, and he says, why don't you do your icebreaker again? I said, Paul, I didn't even want to be here today. And now you want me to stand up in front of 40 people and do another icebreaker. I raised my hand reluctantly and after I put my hand down, I said to myself, what the heck did I just do? But I had a few minutes to regroup and determine what I wanted to speak about. And Don, I got up in front of that group and for some reason, I felt comfortable. And I did my icebreaker. I actually spoke almost six minutes that day. And I felt so good about myself when I sat down that I thought to myself, wow, patting myself on the back, I really thought I did well. And then the awards came, as we all know what awards are like, and I won the best speaker of the day. 
And I felt so good about myself, Don, I decided at that moment, I'm gonna to join Toastmasters. And I did, I joined Toastmasters, and within the first week I became an officer of the club. I was the PR guy. I started getting involved in Toastmasters, and every time I would go to a meeting, I would feel more comfortable. And it got to the point where I decided I want to be an area director. And I volunteered to be an area director in 2013, excuse me, 2014, 2015. And that's when I decided I want to join another club, and I joined in Ahwatukee. And that was another milestone for me, because in Ahwatukee, you're able to speak more often and you have more opportunity on the stage than you do at a club. We currently have about 55 members, so it's very hard to get that speaking role. If there's somebody listening to this podcast who is thinking about Toastmasters, they might be thinking, oh my goodness, they're going to make me do a speech the first day? Is that normal? No, that is not normal. And Paul, being in Toastmasters some 37 years, he knew what was best for me. I didn't know it at the time. I truly didn't know it. But I tell people all the time, it's an opportunity not only just to speak in front of the public, it's an opportunity to really get to know people in Toastmasters. Some of my best friends are in Toastmasters. And we're always complimenting each other. We're talking about Toastmasters. I now live my life around Toastmasters because I've got such wonderful friends, including you, Don. I have wonderful friends that support me. And since then, I've started another club about five years ago and chartered the club. And my wife decided to join Toastmasters. And she was reluctant, very reluctant to join. In fact, it was times when she said, don't even get me involved in Toastmasters. I don't have time. I work 60 hours a week. Don't get me involved. So when I started this club, Don, she joined, again, reluctantly. Now, Susie absolutely loves Toastmasters because it becomes part of your life. It becomes, you start inviting friends over. She's got some of her best friends now as members of Toastmasters. She's a, my biggest promoter right now for that club. It's called Dobson at Sunset. And we love the club. And, and for those people that are out there that want to know why Toastmasters exists and am I going to have to go to a club and have to speak, that is not the case. You can take it at your own speed. Take it at your own level. If you don't feel comfortable, just come and listen. And after a while, you'll start realizing that you want to be able to speak like the people that you're hearing. And that's what happened to me. I'm looking at these people that are doing speeches, and I'm thinking, how do I get to that level? What do I have to do to get to that level? And I started out slow. Yeah, I spoke that first meeting, but I didn't speak for maybe five or six more meetings. I didn't have to speak. But then I was really nervous about table topics. Table topics for me, and for those people out there, table topics really took me to another level. What is table topics? Well, table topics is spontaneous speaking. In other words, somebody will stand up and ask you a spontaneous question. And you have a minute to two minutes to talk about that question. Or in fact, you could talk about anything you want. And in our club, we use the word of the day. Somebody will have the word of the day. And you get up and you speak. You could speak about the weather. You could speak about a vacation. You could actually talk about the question that they're giving you. You could talk about anything you want. It's just an opportunity to stand up and spontaneously speak. 
and I get hit with that all the time, Don, just like, just like now. I mean, I'm speaking to you. I would have never done this. There's no way I would have allowed you to come into my and have a podcast with me because I was too nervous. I had anxiety. I mean, there was times, Don, I would show up at the meeting. This was back in the 90s, late 90s. I couldn't eat. I mean, I had that much anxiety in me because at the time, I didn't think I was good enough. That's what I really, I didn't think I'd be, ever be able to speak like when I hear these people speak in front. I, I thought, that's something I'll never be able to do. That's somebody else. I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be able to do it. And, and Don, you know, we had a guy yesterday do an icebreaker, and he had, he had lots of ums and ahs. But like I told him, I said, those go away. I mean, when I did my first table topics, I spoke for a minute, and I had 14 ums and ahs. I'll never forget that. But today I can speak for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, and not have one. Toastmasters has helped me in every aspect of my life including my marriage. And people ask, how can that help your marriage? Because in Toastmasters, you need to learn how to listen. You better learn how to listen because you have functionaries and you have to listen. I'm a better listener now at home. Again, for folks who aren't Toastmasters, who may be a little confused by some of the jargon we're using, some of the things we talk about, take us through a typical meeting, a quick overview of a typical meeting. Yeah, a typical meeting, you come in, you, you get a, a placard that has your name on it. We introduce you to all the members of the club. You sit down, and in many cases, we just ask you to stand up and tell us how you heard about the club. So you'll come into a meeting, you'll sit down, you'll get introduced, you stand up, you say, my name is Jane Doe, and Tudor Melville invited me. I'm here as a guest. I just want to see what Toastmasters is all about and you sit back down and you just listen for the rest of the hour, hour and a half. And then at the end of the meeting, we generally ask you to stand up and just tell us what you thought of the meeting. And most people will get up and say, wow, this is really cool. I didn't realize how neat and how much energy is in this room. Most of my meetings are at 6.30 in the morning. And it's amazing how much energy is generated from 6.30 to 8 o'clock in the morning and people realize, Wow, this is really a neat way to start out your morning. And we get many people that want to come back and, and, and hear more about Toastmasters. A visitor coming into the club would be greeted warmly. They'd be welcome. There's no real expectation. They might be asked yeah. to participate in table topics. Right. But it's optional. It's optional. And, you know, it depends on what club you're in. The two clubs that I'm current, I'm in three, but two of the clubs, yeah, we'll ask you to if you, if you feel comfortable enough to stand up and talk about it during table topics, we'll have you stand up. But again, we tell people, you don't have to answer the question. You could, an, you could say anything you want. You could talk about your dog. You could talk about your, your cat, your family. You can talk about anything you want. We just want you to feel comfortable standing up and talking in front of a small group. When that member goes and they're, they've done their quick introduction of themselves and they sit back down, they start watch, what will they see typically? Yeah, that's, that's a good question, Don. What they'll typically see is we call out functionaries. For instance, we'll have an individual that drops a marble. In, in our, some of the clubs, they don't do that. But in our club, we drop a marble every time we hear an um or an ah. And in one of the clubs, we don't do it on our guests. In, in the Ahwatukee Club, we don't drop marbles on guests because we want them to understand what that means. And then so people will describe their functionary, and in this case, a, a person that's in charge of the marbles will stand up and say, today my function is to drop marbles every time I hear ums and ahs. 
we're not going to drop marbles on guests because they didn't understand it. But now that they understand why we're dropping marbles, now we'll continue to drop marbles on our guests. But that's that. Then we have a grammarian. We have a person that listens for the English language and they'll document and write little notes to try to help you correct your grammar. We also have uh, cliches in some of our in, in one of our clubs where cliche count. If you say a cliche, they'll mark it down. They'll ring a little bell. And then we have a timer that keeps track of the meeting because we have speakers. We have three to four speakers at every meeting. So we'll have designated people that will speak. They'll prepare a speech. They'll get up. They'll speak anywhere from four to six minutes, five to seven minutes. We've had some that are 10 to 12 minutes, it depends. But the timer's responsible to keep track and we have a green light, a yellow light, and a red light so the speaker can understand when their speech is coming to an end and when to, well, when to end. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on and it's so fascinating. I mean, I was really intrigued when I finally decided to join Toastmasters again for the official time. I was intrigued because I saw it in a different light. When I went the first time, I didn't see all of this because I was so scared and had so much anxiety. I didn't pay attention to what was going on. What I wanted to do is get out of that room as quickly as I got in there. But once I joined in 2012, that's when things started clicking with me. And then I saw the real value of Toastmasters. A visitor who comes into the club sees all of this activity, these functionaries, these marbles, the timer. It can be a little bewildering. So. How can they navigate that? Do they get help at all? Yes, and that's what I tell people that come for the first time. Is that we're going to assign a mentor to you. We're going to give you somebody that has been in Toastmasters for a few years, and they're going to help you. They're going to coach you. They're going to help you with your, your icebreaker speech. They're going to help you with your functionaries. And I tell people, I, I mentor a lot of people, and I say, when you have a function, sit next to me, and I will assist you. So that's what the mentor is all about is helping that individual get to their level that they want to get to. And I've gotten people that sit next to me, they've been in Toastmasters over a year, but they sit next to me because they know that, that I'm going to help them with the marbles dropping. They know that I'm going to help them with the cliche. They know I'm going to help them with the grammarian port or timer. I've had many people, especially Dobson Ranch, where they may be being the timer the first time, and they're very nervous about it. And I'll sit next to them, I'll calm them down, I'll help them. And once they're done, they realize that wasn't bad at all. That was pretty simple. Let's imagine that I'm a nervous about speaking, and I get up, and I give my first speech, and it's terrible. What's going to happen? What are they going to say to me? You know, Don, that's a great question, because that's what happened to me my first time, is I sat down, and I realized, boy, did I bomb that one. But people give you written feedback. And that's what's really neat about Toastmasters is you get feedback in writing on how to improve. So the next time you stand up, you've got some ideas on what to look for and what to do. And that's what I love about Toastmasters. In, 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 in all our clubs, you get written, written feedback on the good things that you did, because we always start out with the great things that you did, and then we give you some feedback for improvement on the next time you stand up. Is there someone in the club who's assigned to be an evaluator? Yes, we do have official evaluators. So when a speaker gets up there, we have somebody that actually, after they're done speaking, will get up and give a oral feedback to that individual and to give them 
information on what they did well and what they can do to improve themselves. So it's always constructive feedback. We give them feedback that they're comfortable with and they can understand that we're there to help them. And I tell people this all the time. Every one of us have been in your seat. We've all been in that seat where it's the first time you've been to a meeting. We're all with you. We're all in that same area with you because we've been there. And so that's where Toastmasters comes in because everybody is so supportive because we've all done our first speech. We've talked about a timer to make sure the time. But why do we care about the time? Is, is there some time limit? You know, it, it, we have an agenda for every meeting. And so the timer knows what time needs to be done. For instance, if you're a five to seven or a four to six minute speaker on an icebreaker, the timer's gonna give you the yellow light at four minutes. He's gonna give you the yellow light at five and he's gonna give you the red light at six minutes. So everything is structured and we have the timer has all that information. And in many cases, the timer will actually get with you prior to the meeting to confirm that you're doing an icebreaker four to six minutes or you're doing another speech five to seven. So it's all structured. So the timer has the agenda, just like the evaluator. Evaluators have two to three minutes to stand up and give you an evaluation on your speech. Again, two minutes, you get the green. Two and a half, you see the yellow. Three minutes, you see the red. So everything is structured according to the agenda. Why do we want to have an agenda and be on time? That's a good question because we're there from in one club, we're there from 6.30 in the morning to 8. So it's important that everybody knows that you're going to get out at 8 o'clock. So the timer is responsible to make sure that everybody gets out at 8 o'clock. In, 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 for instance, if somebody was to get up and speak 4 to 6 minutes and they go to 8 to 10 minutes, now everybody's late. So that's why it's important to keep the meeting on time and that's what's so important with the timer because he knows how much time is allowed for table topics, how much time is allowed for speakers, and how much time is allowed for evaluation. Boy, I wish my boss at work when I was still, before I retired, I wish he had an agenda with a timer. Some of those meetings went on forever. Went on forever. So Toastmasters is a training. It's not just training about speaking, is it? No, it's, it's training about being on time and 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 being aware of your time. And that's what's critical. Because many times people will stand up and they're so nervous in some cases that they may not see that. So now they can see a big red light. They know they've got to come to an end. They've got 30 seconds. Once they see that red light, they've got 36 to end their speech. People also learn other things. They learn to listen, as you mentioned. Yes. Listening is a skill you have to practice. You, you have to practice because the ums and ahs, if you're not watching that individual and listening clearly, and you're not going to catch all those ums and ahs. And that's why I, I pride myself because I'm good at dropping marbles now. When, when I first started out, I wasn't that good because I wasn't listening properly. But you learn to listen in this club. Everybody in the world listens, of course, when something is said question is whether you listen with intent. An awe counter is listening for ums and ahs. The grammarian is listening for use of grammar. Correct. The evaluator is listening because they're going to have to assess that speech and give feedback. 
in just a few minutes. Correct, yeah. So there's a lot of listening going on. A lot of listening, and that carries over into your life. It's just not in that hour, hour and a half meeting. It carries over into your everyday walk of life. It can, you'll learn to listen better at work. You'll learn to listen better at home. You'll learn to listen better at social events. And that's what's really helped me a lot is the fact that I'm able to listen better now because I'm getting my brain programmed to listen properly when people are speaking. If I were to ask you to give a short statement to the listeners who are not Toastmasters, what would you say to them? I would say the, most, the best thing you can do for yourself is to go to a meeting. Go to a meeting, sit down, feel comfortable because, again, we've all been there before. We've all sat in those chairs and go to a meeting. But what's most important is come back to another meeting. Because it changes. Your first meeting, you've got anxiety. You're feeling a little bit uncomfortable. You're with a bunch of strangers. But when you come back the second time, now you get greeted by all those people that were strangers are now really excited that you came back the second time. Because when you come back the second time, it's a different feeling. Because now you know some faces and you know some of the people's names and you'll feel much more comfortable on your second visit. And I tell people the second visit is as important as the first visit. And it won't be so confusing. You will have seen all of those marbles dropping and timers timing and evaluators evaluating. None of that will be a big surprise to you. And you'll be able to concentrate more on what's the overall what's happening. Absolutely, Don. It's, it's, I'm so glad I went back the second time. I really am. I'm so glad because it changed my outlook of Toastmasters. I did my icebreaker, and again, I didn't go back for many, many years, but when I went back that second time and did another icebreaker, I felt comfortable and I felt good about myself. And that's what I tell people. It's gonna be a little, you're gonna get a little nervous getting up and speaking in front of people, but I promise you this, it gets easier. It gets easier every time you stand up. And I've been asked many times to speak at events. I spoke to 650 students at ASU. I would have never, ever attempted that. I spoke with 300 people at the YMCA on stage. We're talking on stage with all these people looking at you. I would have never attempted that if it wasn't for Toastmasters and taking that leap of faith that I would someday, someday be able to speak in front of the public. And now I could speak in front of five, 10,000 people. I feel that comfortable. And that's why I love Toastmasters. Now let's change gears a little bit. We've been talking so far to the, the visitors on the podcast who aren't Toastmasters, who are perhaps thinking about it. Maybe they've gone to that first meeting and they haven't gone back for a second meeting and you've encouraged them. Let's talk to the folks who have been in Toastmasters for a year or two. And they may be thinking, I've... I'm done. I, I've accomplished what I want to accomplish. I'm a I'm good speaker. Why should they stay in Toastmasters? You know, I look at it as if, if you got on a bicycle and you rode it for the first time and you rode it up the end of the street and you turned around and you came back and you said to yourself, I've learned to ride a bike. Would you stop riding a bike because you've learned how to ride a bike for that first time? No. 
you're going to ride that bike more and more and more, and you're going to get better at it. And that's what I tell people about Toastmasters. Everybody feels that, hey, I've joined Toastmasters for one or two years. I can get good. But I can tell you this, you're not going to get great at speaking one to two years, especially at Dobson, Dobson Ranch. We've got six, almost 60 members, and you're not going to speak that often. That's why I encourage people, join multiple clubs. Join multiple clubs because you'll have more opportunity. And I tell people this all the time. Get in front of people. Stand up and speak because each time you do it, you get better and better. I'll never forget a gentleman that joined our club, and he got up and did an icebreaker. Don, he had 63 ums and ahs. 63. But he stayed with us for many, many years. He ended up moving away into another country. But I'll never forget the day he did his final speech. It was a 10-minute speech in front of our club. I know you know who it was. And he didn't have one um or ah. It was, an, it was brilliant. Now, if he had quit Toastmasters after one or two years, would he have been able to do it? I doubt it. And that's what I tell people. Come back. Come to the meetings more often because every time you come to the meeting, you get that much better. I like the idea, that metaphor you had of the bicycle. Think about it. You learn how to ride a bike up and down the street. Okay, good enough? No. No. No, you get excited because that's fun. You can go faster than you can walking or running. That's right. And pretty soon you get pretty skilled and you can go fast. Right. And you can take your hands off the handlebars and still keep going. You pop wheelies. You can do tricks. <laughs> yeah. Some of you may go on to be a racer and race bikes right. and compete. Well, we have all of those same kind of ideas in Toastmasters, don't we? We do. Getting better, getting beyond good into great. Talk to us about the leadership component, because many of our members come for the speeches. Right. But that's not all we have, right? No, it's, and that's what's something that I wanted to do, is I wanted to be a leader in Toastmasters. I wanted to be somebody that I could not only mentor, but to encourage them to be a board member. I tell everybody, be a board member on Toastmasters. What is that? We have a VP of Education. We have VP of Membership. We have the president. In fact, I was just president of, of a club last year, and now I'm president again of a different club. And every time you join the board of the club, you learn more. And now I've, I've been an area director, and now I can have that on my resume as an area director of Toastmasters, which is responsible for many, many clubs. And I felt good about it because we had great contests. And, and, and again, that's something that as a leader in Toastmasters, you become comfortable with joining other clubs and helping other clubs. And that's what I've done with Dobson at Sunset. I'm, a, I'm the president of the club this year and, and I'm supporting that club. In fact, we just crossed over 21 members. We got down to 14 members, and with a lot of help from everybody in the club, we're up to 21 members, and I'm working on my 22nd member now. I come to you next week at my meeting, and I say, Tudor, I've been in for a year and a half. I'm, this is my last meeting. What do you tell me? Right then, right there. You know, I tell you, I say, Don, don't quit, because you're at a level right now where I can tell you you're going to get so much better by sticking around. Don't quit. And, and I see it so often. People join Toastmasters for one or two years 
and then they think they've got it figured out. It takes a lot of years to figure this out. I mean, I've been in it now going on eight, nine years, and I still, I'm still learning, absolutely still learning. I was the joke master the other day, and I had to stand up in front of 50 people and give a joke. And after I sat down, I can't tell you how many people came up to me and said, that was such a great joke. Because again, that's something we didn't point out, but that's one of the functions is we have a joke master. So we start out every meeting with something funny and it gets everybody comfortable because you feel good about yourself. You had a good joke and everybody's laughing and, and it starts the meeting off so well. Tell me a little bit more about being a member of more than one club. You know, some people are just in one, that's plenty. Why should I join another club? Well, and this is something I tell everybody that joins Toastmasters. We have two large clubs that I'm in currently in now, and you're not gonna get the opportunity to speak as often as you may like or that you may need. And I encourage people, join multiple clubs because you're gonna speak at one club. Let's say you're gonna prepare a speech for, for one of your clubs. You can go to the other club and practice it because it may be a smaller group. It may, you may get great feedback. And then when you go to the biggest group in Arizona, and you sit down or you stand up and you give your speech, you know that you have practiced it at other, at other meetings. And that's what I always do. If I'm going to do a speech at Dobson Ranch, I always practice it at other meetings. And that's what I love about Toastmasters. You can go to any meeting. Chances are you can go to any meeting in Arizona and ask to speak and do a speech. And chances are they're going to let you speak. So there are a lot of good reasons to join. And there are a lot of good reasons to stay in for a long time and learn, keep learning. Keep learning. I mean, you know, we've gone to school for 12 years. What if you'd have stopped it in six? You know, what would have happened if you'd have stopped it at, before going to high school those last four years? What would you have missed out on? And that's how Toastmasters is. You stay with it. For me, Don, it's a life thing. I'm in it for life. Realistically, I will never quit Toastmasters because it's a life thing for me. Gee, Tudor, I don't know what you mean. I've only been in for 22 years. Yeah, so you've been in for 22. I've known people that are in it for 42 years. And it's so ironic that, that this comes up because I never could understand. Back in the late 90s, I couldn't understand why people would join Toastmasters and stay in it for 20, 30, 40 years. It made no sense to me. But now that I'm involved in Toastmasters, I can see why these people, I mean, I don't miss meetings unless I'm out of town. But if I'm in town, there's no sleeping in because I love starting out the morning with, a, with high energy and compliments. Along the way, you meet a lot of great people and you make a lot of friends. Some of my best friends are Toastmasters. They really are. It's a, it's a great social time. We have parties at uh, every, every month we have happy hour and we'll have somebody's house and they'll invite all of us over and we'll have a little happy hour, just a social event. And that's a great opportunity to bring your, your loved one with you, your spouse, and, and to interact with other like-minded people that want to improve their life. We're all there to improve our life. That's the whole purpose of Toastmasters, is improving your life every day. Well, Tudor, being in Toastmaster Club with you has improved my life. Thank you so much. For those of you listening today, you've heard some excellent reasons why you should join Toastmasters. If you're already a Toastmaster and you think you've reached the end of your string, stay in. You get better, it gets better 
for as long as you stay in. Tudor, thank you so much for inviting me into your home and allowing me to do this interview. You're welcome, Don. I enjoyed it very much. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. To volunteer to be featured on the podcast or to suggest future topics, write podcast at aztoastmasters.org. That email again is podcast at aztoastmasters.org. Toastmasters International and all other Toastmasters International trademarks and copyrights are the sole property of Toastmasters International. This podcast is independent of Toastmasters International. It is not endorsed by, sponsored by, affiliated with, or otherwise connected with Toastmasters International other than for the use of the name Toastmasters International.